The Lord is good to us in so many ways. Emily is coming to prepare to share. Need a minute? Just needs a minute. I love how these young people know how to do this technology. It's like they were born for, right? There's already in their DNA. You know, the scriptures talk about, I want to go on later. You go ahead. I'll go on later. We're going to tag team today. She's going to take go first and I'll wrap up. Testing, testing. Good morning, church. Um, my name is Emily, and I'm so excited to speak to you guys because I truly believe that God has given a message to me to speak to you guys today. Um, but Happy New Year's. I'm so glad I get to be here on the first Sunday of the year. New Year's is one of my favorite holidays. And this past week, I was in Georgia with some friends, and as we rang in the new year, we just worshiped and prayed, and I really believe it set the tone for the next year and that God wants this to be a year of intimacy, not just for me, but for you guys too. So I'm just gonna open in prayer and then we'll start. But yeah, dear Jesus, we just thank you for who you are, God. We love you, Jesus, and we love hearing from you, Jesus. And so I just pray that you would speak through me today, God, that you would be speaking to each person, person in this room individually, God, um, that they would hear what they need to hear this morning, Jesus and that they would just feel your presence in this room, that they would draw near to you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're going to start in Esther 4. So if you guys will turn in your Bible to Esther 4, and as you're doing that, I'm just going to summarize the first couple chapters of Esther. Um, but Esther is a really interesting book because actually in the book of Esther, God is not mentioned one time. But he is so evident that he is moving. And I think that even through this process of writing by not mentioning God's name, we're invited to look for him in this book and how he's moving. So, in the first couple chapters, the king of Persia deposes his wife and holds a beauty pageant. And Esther hides her Jewish identity and enters this beauty pageant. And she actually wins, and, he, and the king loves her so much that he now makes her the queen. And so Esther's now the queen. And a couple days later, her cousin, Mordecai, who raised her, actually hears two of the royal guards planning to kill the king of Persia. And so Mordecai tells Esther, and Esther's able to tell the king. And so Mordecai actually gets the credit um, for saving the king's life. And so at the same time, Haman hears about this. And the king really loves Haman. Um, he declares everyone to kneel before Haman. But Mordecai refuses to do this. And so there's this tension between Haman and Mordecai. And Haman finds out that Mordecai is Jewish. And so with the king, he creates a decree to kill all the Jewish people. And so, of course, this creates a problem um, because Esther is Jewish. And so it's up to Esther what she's going to do in this moment. But that brings us to Esther 4. And it says, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, whether the king's command and his decree reached, 
there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. And I love these verses because it talks about mourning. And I think that as a church, we often forget how important it is to mourn and to lament. And even just processing this last year, it definitely wasn't what we thought it would be. Um, it was definitely a lot harder for most people than we thought it would be. But I think there's so much importance in being real with God and coming to God and telling him how you truly feel and allowing him to comfort you. Because the purpose of mourning is for God to comfort you. And I have to ask you guys, when is the last time that you sat in God's presence long enough and you mourned with him long enough to truly feel his comfort? It seems that we're living in a world with many distractions, and I think that's why quarantine was hard for a lot of people, because suddenly a lot of our distractions were gone. Our normal life was gone. And so how did we process once we were truly alone? How did we deal with the things that we didn't realize we were still dealing with? And it's beautiful that we have a relationship with God because we know that when the world is changing around us, that God is still constant, that his char character is still constant, and he wants us to be real with him. And so I love that the Jews are just taking this time to truly mourn um, the pain that they're going through because there's importance in that. And when we do that, God is with us, and he accepts us for as we are, even to the point that Mordecai is crying out in the city, and Jesus sees him. Um, and so I just think we need to remember that, too, that it's okay to be upset with God sometimes. It's okay to be honest with God, because he wants us to have that real relationship with him. And so I'm going to move on to verse 7. It says, And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasures for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa from, for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hachat went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hachat and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the gold scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come to the king these 30 days. And so this is a very important moment of the story because Esther has a decision to make. Um, she realizes the weight of everything that's going on, and she realizes that if she is going to approach her, the king with this, she's going to risk her life. So moving on to verse 12, it says, And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you have your father's house, but your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my young woman will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. 
Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And so I really love these couple verses. First of all, because Mordecai is keeping it real with Esther. He's telling her how God has given her this opportunity to speak out on behalf of the Jewish people. But even if she doesn't, God is going to use someone for deliverance of the Jews. And so I think it's almost a humbling verse because it reminds me that God doesn't need to use us. He really doesn't. He could work it out all on his own, but we get to be a part of his plan, and he wants to use us. Um, and I love that everyone is fasting on behalf of the Jews. It's not just Esther, but it's the entire Jewish community. They're together in this, and as the story goes on, we know that as Esther comes in, her life is okay, she's safe, and I believe that God is protecting her because of her faithfulness to God. And I think that this story really does show intimacy with God because one thing that God has been teaching me this year is that in order to have intimacy with God, we must trust God. And Esther trusted God to the point of death. And God used her faithfulness and rewarded her. And so this message was really just on my heart, but also because in this, it doesn't talk about God the entire book, as I was saying earlier. And I think that sometimes when life happens, we don't always recognize all that God is doing. Um, we don't recognize that he's speaking. Sometimes we can see him as silent, but even in that, he's still moving. And he's still a faithful father, and he's still a faithful God. And so I love the story of Esther because I believe that God wants us to have this kind of intimacy with him, um, that we can trust him in anything. And I love that all the songs that we sang this morning were about trusting Jesus and we're about just being in his presence for who he is. And so over this next year, I just wanna challenge you guys because we really don't know what's gonna happen. Easily, we could go into lockdown again. And we may have more, even more time on our hands, but no time with God is wasted. And so I just wanna challenge you guys to sit in God's presence just because of who he is, not even expecting anything, not even expecting him to speak but just sitting in him, with him in his presence because that is intimacy with God and that is how he will speak to you and counsel you and guide you. And so that's the message that was put on my heart this morning. Um, but before I hand it over to my dad, I also just wanted to speak about an opportunity that God has given me. So as you guys know, missions has been on my heart for a while. I've been on about five or six missions trips and it's been really exciting because this year I'm on the missions team for leadership at my school. And so actually, it's a huge department at our school. We're sending out trips to all 50 states this year. And so I'm gonna be leading two trips, so one to Rhode Island during spring break and then one to Utah and Idaho in July. And so it's also really cool that God's been speaking to me about intimacy because these are places that are very religious and that have a lot of rules, but I believe that God wants to break that over them. And so I'm just inviting you guys to partner with me financially as I'm raising money, but also just prayerfully because this is all new for me, leading trips, and I'm really excited because missions has changed my life, and I know it's going to change the lives of the people going and the lives of the people there as well. So if you would just keep that on your heart, and if God um, gives you amount of money, anything is such a blessing to me, because I truly can't do it without God's, God's um, providence. So I just want to pray us out, and then my dad's going to come speak.
But yeah, dear Jesus, we just thank you for who you are, God. I just pray that we'd have a new trust in you, Jesus, that we would have a new intimacy with you, God, that there would be healing, Jesus, that we would be able to just be real with you, Jesus, about where we're at, God. I thank you that you love us for who we are, Jesus, that you say that we can come as we are, Jesus, and you're faithful to us, Jesus, even when we're not faithful to you, God. And so I just pray blessings over the year of 2021, God. Um, that we would just know you in a way that we've never known you before, God. That we would just experience your love in a way that we've never experienced your love, God. That we never even knew was possible, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done, God, and for all that you're doing. We love you, Father. Amen. Much Emily, just good, good job. Give her a warm round of applause. <laughs> Jackie, I think I'm gonna be out of a job here pretty soon. <laughs> now we're blessed. Thank you, Emily. Uh, give us an idea of what you need, Brian, financially. Yeah, we will. Amen. And now, and the way we do that, the wicker baskets up here, we can you can put in anything uh, at the end of the service. Uh, if you're writing a check, just write it to the church, and then we'll send a church check toward that need. So great, God uses people. Our greatest asset, besides the Lord Himself is people. People. Your greatest asset, your greatest blessing in life is family, friends, people. And so that this this challenge for us to like Esther in her time period, she made a difference. Because she chose to do what was right. She chose to give of herself, to intercede, to plead before the king, even if it cost her life. I believe the church doesn't need to be silent. The church needs to have a voice. If there's any time we need to stand and speak in love, be who we are in Christ, let people know that there's a better way to live. God has a plan far beyond what this world could ever offer. But my, how short this life is. Amen? Aren't the years whipping by? I know when I was young, I couldn't wait till I was 16 because oh, I could get a driver's license, you know, all that good stuff. And then he couldn't wait to, you know, this and that. But I find it's not the stuff that makes you happy. It's people who you invest in, people who you choose to bless. 
And see, I'm going to use an Old Testament scripture, and we're going to borrow from Jeremiah words. We're going to look at Jeremiah 32. What's been on my heart is this year I'm praying for restoration. That there will be healing in our land. That there will be healing in our church families. There will be healing in bodies. That there will be actually minds that will be renewed. That we will have focus in all the crazy things that are going on. Satan loves to distract us if he can. And one of the ways he gets us weakened, if he gets us so distracted, we stop looking to the Lord and we start leaning on our own understanding. And if he can get us so busy that we forget to pray, then guess what happens? You know what happens. You begin to find yourself weak. So I'm excited about the prayer week that's ahead of us. And you'll be able to sign up. And whatever, whatever you pray, we're not asking you to pray for an hour necessarily. Or just during that hour or five minutes during that hour or whatever it is. It's all going to come together as something good to offer before the Lord. But our land needs prayer. America needs prayer. America needs missionaries. Do you agree with me on that? Our land needs help. We need to return. We need a returning to the things that are biblical, foundational, that truth once again is revered, that God's word once again is is looked to, that truth, that even people who uh, are in leadership would have respect and that they would operate in such a way that it would be evident that God himself is working through them. So in the, bo in the book of Jeremiah, you know, Jeremiah was known as a weeping prophet. Why was he a weeping prophet? Because he had so many challenges before him he often found himself mourning or lamenting, like Emily said, weeping over the situation of the land, of the people. Because over and throughout Scripture, over and over again, God has always shown himself faithful to his chosen people we know as Israel. We, you and I, have also been grafted in. We have also become his people, his very own bride, so to speak, and he's coming back for his bride. But there was a time period in Jeremiah's day that there was so much suffering that he became called by God. Even before he was formed in his mother's womb, God had a plan for Jeremiah. And there were days when Jeremiah probably thought, where are you, God? Do you have forgotten me? Why have you left me, abandoned me, left me in a cistern filled with it was up to his armpits and mud and water. Tested. In verse 42 of chapter 32, Jeremiah, we read these words. For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on this people, so I am going to bring on them all the good that I'm promising them. 
and fields shall be bought in this land in which you say it is a desolation without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men shall buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, and call in witnesses in the land, in the, in the, in the land of Benjamin, in the environs of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the hill country, in the city of the lowland, in the cities of the Negev, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. You know, we can't relate to all these places, all these names, probably, but there's one word, one word to sum this all up, restoration. See, God will let his people walk away if they so choose. God will lift his blessing if it takes persecution, if it takes desolation, if it takes famine, if it takes pestilence to get their eyes off their selves and back to the Lord. And throughout scripture we find in history that the Israelites would go along pretty good and then all of a sudden they just fall off. They go wander away. They go find another God. And it would angry anger our Lord and he would have to deal with them and God is so patient but there is a day of judgment there will be out there always is a day God will deal with sin because he wants people to turn from their sin and there is so much hope when people turn to God because God is so willing to forgive us and to cleanse us when we come back with an open heart. I'm so glad today that he loves the backslide. He loves those who went off on their own, but he, he's looking for them to come back even as a prodigal son. We know the story in the Bible very well. That when he got to an age, he wanted his inheritance. He went out and he just kind of spent it all and lived life only to find himself all alone hungry, eating what the pigs were eating. But the story is this, the real lesson in that story is about the father who was looking for his son to come home one day. As you read the verses that are in that story, he says the father saw his son from afar. Well, that gives me a clue that this father was looking every day. One day he's going to see his son. And that one day came, and that son was ready then to receive. He was ready to go back and live under submission in his father's house, even if he was a slave. But the father said, no, you're my son. We're going to kill the calf. We're going to celebrate. You were lost, but now you're found. And that's the same thing that happens in heaven itself when one sinner comes to repentance. All heaven rejoices over that one. And so the word of Jeremiah goes on in the next chapter. These are key verses for our week coming up about prayer. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time. 
Aren't you glad the Lord comes to us more than once? We sometimes forget when he spelt what he spelt, what, you know, maybe he did something, a blessing. You Maybe you remember it, but you kind of tend to, well, that was so long ago, but he comes to us again. And if it's necessary, he'll come to us again. And if we fail, he, he will come to us again. And we, the psalmist said, blessed is the man who is, when he falls, when he falls, not if he falls, but when he falls. It's not hurled headlong. The Lord has his hand, and the Lord picks him up. The Lord has your hand. See, even when we fail, we fall. The Lord has our hand. And so God is always a God of bringing restoration, bringing renewal. He's in the business of reconciliation today. He's in the business of winning back, redeeming back those who are lost. The very reason he came was for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That is the mission that is on the heart of God, to seek and to save that which is lost. But we are called to be partners. And so Jeremiah reads, we read these words, Thus saith the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it, established it, the Lord is his name, call to me. Call to me. I will answer you. I, and, I will not, and, I, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. There's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things we don't know about God. We don't, there's a lot of things we don't know about the future, exactly how it's all going to turn out. But there is one who knows every detail, every, every little thing. And that's the God we can turn to. That's the God we can call upon. He's the God that's not asleep somewhere. He's the God that never sleeps or slumbers. He's a God who's true to his word, and he always will follow through. And we can, we can build on that. See, Jesus spoke in many parables, didn't he? Remember that one parable about the, the wise man built his house upon the rock? Foolish man built upon sand. Well, I'm from Aiken County. Sand sounded pretty good. And Larry remembered those footings and picked the shovel and, and uh, pickaxe and shovel for clay. We love to have a sand job. But the principle of the story, the lesson in the story, the sand is uncertain. When the winds and the waves and the rain hit that house, it only had sand. It washed away. And the, the lesson to that story is there was a man who did not take the time with God. There was a man who didn't take the time to build his house upon God's word. He just built upon his own thinking, his own way. And he felt the pressure. This year, we have had many families who have had loss. Many losses. It's almost like their house caved in. But the houses that will stand are the houses who are built upon the rock. That rock is Christ himself. That rock is an anchor. 
You see, even though we don't have enough money, even though we don't have enough what we think we need, <laughs> we're so rich when we have Christ. We're so rich. We don't need anything else. Really, we don't. And the greatest way to live, God says, is to seek me. No greater joy than to see someone else finding Jesus. No greater joy than to help be a friend and discipling someone in their struggle. Loving people in spite of what God does. He loves us in spite of us. You could go on and on. Our God is for us. Who can be against us? We read further in Jeremiah 33, 7, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel. I will, I will rebuild them as they were at first. Isn't it interesting how you read in Revelations? One of the churches that have lost, they've lost something. They've lost their first love. It lost what, what was God saying? You, you're doing some things well. You're, you're doing okay, but you've lost your passion for me. You, you've cooled off. You're not really seeking me like you once used to seek me. And that is something you and I and you and I only can do with the help of the Lord. Only you and I can keep the fire going on the altar. Only you and I can keep drawing the oil that we need. And I keep going back to Jeremiah's word, call upon me. Every little thing in life is not too small that God doesn't care about. Whatever you're going through, call upon. I've called upon him for sometimes things that are material that, that I need for a piece of equipment or for, for a something, an understanding. I've called upon him for many things. Yes, he cares about what you're going through. Call upon him. I believe that God can give us the understanding and the wisdom in his word. We need to call upon the Lord. Because if we don't do it, who will? He doesn't expect the world to call upon him. He says, my people, call upon him. And you can call upon the Lord. It doesn't matter where the place. You, you can call upon the Lord right where you're seated today. You can, in fact, build an altar right where you're seated in your heart. You can build an altar. What, what is that? 
Well, that is a place where you come to God and say, you know, here I am. And I'm looking to you. I cannot do this alone. Abraham, Abraham, then Abraham often built altars. And they were moments and time and place where he made sacrifice and he cried out to the Lord because his future depended upon it. And so why do we need to cry upon why do we need to cry out to the Lord? Because the future of our young people and the grandkids and great grandkids, the future depends upon it. The future of those who are going to be in heaven depends upon the prayers of his people. So my challenge is to you and I, let's start the year out making time for the Lord, taking time to call upon him. Will you pray with me right now, Lord Jesus? We want you. We acknowledge our need for you. We acknowledge that we can't, but you can. We acknowledge we don't know very much, but we know that you know all things. And we now trust you. We, we say, Lord, be in my life, be in my heart, dwell within me, flow through me, lead me, lead us to that place where we ought to be in the fellowship, where we are close to you, where we hear from you. And then the voice, the enemy that comes to distract us, silence the enemy that says, no, you can't do it. Oh, you're not good enough. Let there be victory in the house of the Lord today. And let there be healing in our land as we call to you, call upon your name this week. And we will see that you are for us. And bless your people again. Lord, restore that which has been broken. Bring, Lord, back healing and, and that we would be in our right mind and clothed with your righteousness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll sing one more time. I will build my life. Let's sing that in closing.